0: It's Fulhamish Extra, your extra slice of Fulhamish content. My name is Sammy James. Hope you're all good. Thank you for downloading the podcast today. We are going to be looking ahead to Friday night's match at the John Smith Stadium as we face Huddersfield Town, our third championship match of the season. We're going to be getting a Terriers lowdown uh, from Neil Wayne of the Andy Takes His Chance podcast, one of the leading Huddersfield audio shows also in today's episode We're going to be going in depth looking at Josh Onema and a little bit uh, talking about Ryan Cessignon's move to Spurs because we're talking to Chris Miller uh, from the Extra Inch podcast, which is a Spurs podcast, which particularly looks at the Tottenham Academy. So Chris knows lots about Josh Onimer in particular. Um, what he could bring to Fulham and and everything else like that. George caught up with him. So really good little episode today. We're great to get some insight into Josh because we haven't seen him on the pitch yet. And also, of course, we've got to look ahead to that match on Friday. Hopefully we can build on some of the momentum after Saturday's brilliant, brilliant win against Blackburn that was oh so important after that false start against Barnsley. But first of all, let's have a look at the Huddersfield game on Friday. Um... The Terriers uh, have not had a good start to the season at all. Uh, They got dumped out of the Carabao Cup on Tuesday to to Lincoln. Uh, Both teams played second string sides, but still really not a result that helps Huddersfield. And they're really low on confidence at the moment. They started the season with that 2-1 reverse against Derby at home, which was live on the telly. And they got a one-all draw at QPR last weekend. There's a real banana skin feeling, though, about Friday's game. I'm really nervous about it. There's this stats doing the rounds about how Huddersfield haven't won a game at all since February. Of course, we were the team that... Huddersfield hadn't won a single game going into our match last season and they managed to win in that one and that was really a a real nadir in in Fulham's season last year it was an awful awful game I was there on the Monday nights and Fulham were just dreadful so to say that I'm confident going into Friday's game um, really uh, wouldn't be putting it accurately at all I'm very nervous but you look at it on paper and Fulham should have enough to take on this Huddersfield side it's it's a it's a side that's lost its heart of its midfield in Philip Billing and Aaron Moy and that's two massive players that they're gonna have to overcome of course they've got a good player I quite like Harlem Grant up front and he did his best last season and and Jan Siever Seems like, on the face of it, quite a good young progressive manager that will probably lead Huddersfield to some stability this year. And and from listening to Huddersfield fans on various podcasts in particular, there's a great Huddersfield fan on not top twenty. That's what they're looking for this season is just some stability after what was just a horrific year for them last year. I mean, if if we think we had it bad, then Huddersfield almost managed to have a worse season which than us which is almost impossible so I think they are just looking for a bit of stability this year don't think they're looking necessarily for automatic promotion playoffs maybe um, are an absolute maximum for them but certainly what they'll be looking to do is put to bed this awful awful record um, that they've got and they'll just be looking to get that win get the monkey off their back so I am nervous going into Friday's game mostly just from that kind of stats point of view but overall Fulham should have enough and I I don't expect to see too many changes um, from Saturday's win against Blackburn really you'd imagine that Scott Parker will stick with the same defence and probably the same trio up front of Cavallero, Knockhart and, and Mitrovic um, the only question for me is maybe in midfield I don't expect Harry Artis to go anywhere but Steffi Hansen potentially could someone like Harrison Reed uh, take his spot Scott just might be looking to do a little bit more rotation just to see uh, different members of his squad and, and trying to figure out his best 11 which I imagine no one really has an idea what our best 11 is at the moment. I certainly don't. And it'll be interesting to see how it just tweaks over the next few weeks. Um, And I'll be very interested to see what Scott does in that department and potentially... Could be bringing Josh Onomer into the 18, could be bringing Bobby Reed into the starting 11 as well. So, yeah, we'll have to kind of wait and see what Scott does on Friday night. But first, let's go across to a Huddersfield fan and get the view from the opposition camp. Dom and the boys on Love Sports spoke to Neil Wayne from the And Takes His Chance uh, and started off by asking him how Huddersfield fans are feeling ahead of Friday's game.
2: Uh, evening, fellas. Thanks for having us on. Um... Yeah, we're not exactly overjoyed, put it that way. It's been uh, a, a grim start, to say the least.
3: Yeah, what? So, uh, yeah, so what happened last night? Obviously, there's loads of rumours about Jean uh, Sewitt not turning up for his press conference, rumours that he could be sacked. So what you happened after you ended up losing that game to Lincoln?
2: Well, it, it pretty much played our, our under-23 side, to be honest, apart from a couple of senior pros in amongst. Um, so the, the result, from our point of view, it wasn't unexpected. It was just a manner of it. It was uh, grim, to say the least. Um, Lincoln fully deserved it. Should have probably beat us three or four, to be honest. Uh, yeah. We were a 19-year-old kid in goal who made three blinding saves of keepers in it. Um, so the 1-0 the probably flattered us, unfortunately. But the, the afterwards, there was... Jan, Jan Seaver kept the players locked in the dressing room for about an hour, Um which was a bit odd, to be honest, because we've lost against Derby with first team out. We've drawn at QPR on Saturday, first team, and he chose a night when we've lost to Lincoln with pretty much under-23s playing to start having a go and balling him out, which is strange approach. You know, they, they, these are young lads, you know, they needed a game, they're learning the trade. Were it disappointing? Of course, they'd be we playing well, not at all. But it was just a strange time to start, you know, sort of having a a rant and then making it very public that he'd had that rant as well so disappointed i think he's on on borrowed time
0: Neil we mentioned on the show then that Huddersfield could be suffering with a premier league hangover you know disappointed last season they've started this season poorly is that a real thing are fans talking about this and could this linger on <laughs>
2: It's one hell of an hangover. I think we've had it since we stayed up away at Chelsea, to be honest. Um, <laughs> it was a good night at <laughs> It was it was as we, we had our chairman our old chairman Dean Oil on podcast a couple of weeks ago and he said the the bar bill for China Whites that night would have forty thousand quid. Um and it, I think it I think I think we've all shared the fumes on that one because yeah. it's been you know, the hangover has lasted and last season we were down at Christmas. We all knew we were down at Christmas, it wasn't a surprise, we we're all sort of geared up for it. Um, we'd had two miracles on trot we should never have got promoted that were ridiculous staying up ridiculous again um, and then last season we just you know three miracles it, it, it just did not happen on balance we weren't good enough as simple as that um, and it has lingered and going into this season Seabert's had job eight months now and, and, you, and you're hoping that there's some kind of plan and formation and you know tactical awareness and you're not going in there knowing what's going to happen other than chances are you're going to lose. So, so yeah, it's pretty, pretty disappointing.
3: So what were the aims going into season? Obviously, you had a very, very poor season last year, and you say, obviously, you had two fluke seasons by staying up in the Premier League and obviously getting promoted there as well. So what were the aims for, you know, Huddersfield fans going into season? Was it to bounce back up, or was it just to make sure you're competing at the, t- the high end of the table?
2: I think most at sensible Town fans were just a season of transition. You know, it's going to take time. It's going to be a decent turnover of players. Some of these players are just tired with getting beat every week. Um, the manager needs to find his feet in what is notoriously probably hardest league in Europe. You know, most competitive league in Europe. Um, and I, I don't say that lightly. You know, Premier League, we know what that's like. It's top six plus another fourteen. Um, but the, the Championship, anybody can be. Anybody can't predict. Although, to, to be fair, Friday night, I'll get a, get a few quid on if you can find a good price because I can't feel else but on a, a resounding away win well
0: it's, it's, you're saving me questions here Neil but I did want to ask you Huddersfield struggled for goals last season this season, still very early doors you have signed uh, Fraser Campbell what what impact can we expect from him this season
2: well I'll be honest we're, we're all disappointed already because we've been told that he's not going to be playing for at least a month until he gets properly match fit and acclimatised and I don't think we've got that luxury I mean, we've got Carlin Grant who has been one hell of a signings. and I've got you know he's we got him from Charlton. You'll know him from down down there. He's it cost one and a half million pounds, which, as it stands at the moment, an absolute bargain. I mean, we couldn't score goals last season for anything. We couldn't we couldn't buy a goal, and he's come into a really really awful side and scored four in twelve, which was a phenomenal return really, um, and he's carried that on two two in two so far. The, the lad is a talent, and if he carries on, he won't be with us in January. But to, to be told that we've got Campbell. And he's not going to be involved for at least a month till, till after international break. Really disappointing. I'm sure, you know, surely he's got 15 minutes in him off at bench. But there's there's, there's a lot of the wrong things coming out at, town at the moment. It's not sounding positive. They've gone from when Wagner and when David Wagner was here, it was all about no limits and you know sort of defying the odds and being you know the little dog up against all these big clubs and turning them over. And we've sort of surrendered a little bit now, which is it's, it's just disappointing. Also, you mentioned
3: that you're expecting a resounding away win. Some Fulham fans have got it in their head that actually this look this is the that kind of game which we will mess up in. Because I think what I don't just, want yeah, because it was <laughs> it was like I think it was like you haven't won a competitive game since like February. sign a striker is not fit for a month. You lost to Lincoln in yeah. the League Cup, and it was like, this is the exact kind of game that Fulham would lose. But do you just do you just think Fulham will have too much for Huddersfield on Friday?
2: I'm. I'm in absolutely zero doubt whatsoever <laughs> that we will finish second on Friday night. That's, that's, uh, there's, there's no two ways about it. We we just look a poor side, to be honest. We look. We we don't look together at all. Like I say, we've got Kyle and Grant. Who if any if we get anything on Friday night, Carlin Grant will be involved in it. Um, but the, it just looks so disjointed. You can't really tell you know, a pattern of play. Like the season when we got promoted, we had a very defined style under David Wagner. Like Fulham had a very defined style as well um, when he came and murdered us four once Season we went up. Um, just It's not there. We haven't got... And, and he, he says he plays 4-3-3, attacking football. We scored two goals in three games, both penalties. Um, it, it, I just... I'm, I'm sounding ultra negative, but I just I really really cannot see anything but the an away win. Can't
4: see it. Um, I know it's obviously early doors for Jan Siever, but like, I mean, there were reports of him having lost the dressing room last season, let alone this season. Um, yeah. And I know he's, he's got that one win in eight months, whatever it is. <laughs> um, like, is I, I know, like I said, I know it's early, but are there people calling for him to go already?
2: Pretty much everybody. Really? Um if if Fulham score early or even just go in front on Friday we, we've we've got a really good reputation for the for the home crowd being phenomenal over the last few years and really getting behind the side regardless of what's happening in front of us. Um that won't be the case on Friday. It will it's starting to get it was getting toxic last night and only seven thousand there. So, you know, there's gonna be there's gonna be twenty thousand plus there on, on Friday night and that it's got the potential to be. A very hostile environment and if Fulham come I mean they're going to have done their own work they know we're struggling they know we're sort of a bit soft at the moment and I think if Fulham come and have a go and score especially early I think it could be a long night for us and a, and a bloody good one for you to be honest
0: <laughs> Well you're predicting a good night for Fulham then Neil we know you're saying a way win what's the score prediction? Yeah.
2: Um, 0-2 0-3
0: well they're happy with that in the studio Neil thank you for giving (laughs) us some time well thank you to Neil Dom and all the boys on the Love Sports show uh, for that Huddersfield lowdown ahead of Friday's game which is live on Sky here in the UK and I imagine it should be fairly easy to watch uh, around the world on international telly as well so hopefully it won't be too difficult for all you uh, to to catch the match on Friday and obviously uh, several of you be heading up to the game but I went to that Huddersfield game last year. It was on a Monday night. I happened to be up north anyway, so it was a bit easier for me. But it's a tricky one to get to. Um, You sometimes maybe need a hotel, depending on where you're coming from. Um, Do check out our away day guide, though, that Dom did uh, about a month ago now, if you need any travel tips to get up to Huddersfield on Friday. Um, Let's go to George Cooper. He caught up with Chris Miller from The Extra Inch, which is part of the Fighting Cock Tottenham podcast, who uh, are a podcast that we're good friends with. We know Flav, who runs it, and um, we've spoken to them a lot over the years and um always when uh, fulham have played spurs on on several occasions um and they spoke about what fulham fans can expect from josh onama this season
4: hello this is george cooper for the fulhamish extra um and i'm joined by chris miller who joins us from the extra inch Tottenham Hotspur hot spur podcast how are you doing chris
1: i'm good thanks george yeah good to speak to you
4: yeah no likewise thank you so much for coming on it's much appreciated and uh yeah, it's good to have the opportunity to speak to uh, the club that we provide so much young talent to. <laughs> it does it's, seem that way, doesn't it? There are a few links these days. Of course. I mean, it's historic. We we are your feeder club. Make, make no bones about
1: it. It's just every, both playing white, so it, it kind of worked out perfectly.
4: Yeah, playing white, you know, it's not too far across there, just yeah. the north of London. But it, it happens historically. Never, I've learned never to get attached to any sort of Fulham player because... Tottenham are going to come in. It's inevitability, you know. There's three things are certain in life as a Fulham fan: death, taxes, and Tottenham are going to posthumous.
1: <laughs> and it's always the mercurial ones as well. At first there was Noel Brank, then there was Dembele, and now there's Sessegnon.
4: Yeah, and don't don't forget Clint Dempsey in there as well.
1: Dempsey, yeah, of course.
4: Mm, we we seem to get your players after you've kind of had the best of them as well. I mean, I I, I use that very lightly because we we had many fantastic years with the likes of Danny Murphy and Simon Davis but it seems to work both ways we've got a kind of weird cyclical nature of transfers that just yeah, yeah
0: yeah
4: yeah um, yeah so we wanted to ask you a few questions um, about Josh Onema he's obviously part of the the Session deal that saw uh, Session go the other way and uh, we understand that you're a kind of youth uh, expert, you're very sort of um, focused with the with the youth of Tottenham, and we just wanted to ask a few questions because few Fulham fans aren't fans aren't too familiar. We saw him play on loan for Aston Villa in the Championship last season, um, but we just wanted to ask. Uh, first of all, are you, were you sad to see him go?
1: So I I was sad to see Josh go, um, but also happy for him because the the time had definitely come. But I think I'm pretty much alone in Spurs fans in thinking that. So. The, the popular opinion on Onimer was that he's not good enough for Tottenham. And I think that's it's a fair enough opinion if you've only seen Spurs' first team. If you saw Onimer play for Spurs' under-18s or 21s or 23s, then I think you'd be pretty disappointed to see him go, given the amount of potential he had, the amount of ability he had at that, at that age um, when he was coming through. I mean, he's represented England from the under-16s to, to the 21s. He's been in literally every age group. So he's he's a player that has been highly rated throughout his whole youth career. And that's for a very good reason. He's an excellent player.
4: Mm, it's interesting to, to hear. Um, I mean, he he's only 22, so he's in the kind of seedlings of his career uh, somewhat. And to to already have come to the analysis of, you, you don't feel like he's quite good enough for Tottenham. What do you think of the, the short, we'll come on to his strengths, a bit later, but what do you think of the shortcomings that
1: have, have sort of made
4: you come to that decision?
1: Yeah, so so the problem he had with Spurs, um, and and it was not just the not just Pochettino. It was a number of managers. He tended to get played in like a wide left position or a second striker, and you're not going to get the best out of Onuma by playing him there. He needs to be in the middle of midfield, and if you play, <clears throat> excuse me, if he plays in central midfield, then he's he's got a chance of doing well, and he just didn't really get enough games. For our first team in midfield to sort of show what he could do, and add to that, he didn't get a run of games. So every time he had one game, he'd get taken out straight away. It was generally, he'd be brought in for like a rotation in the cups or something like that. and I do remember one game. So he played against Monaco, and we beat Monaco four-one. And he played in a midfield with uh, Tom Carroll and Eric Dyer, and he was up against uh, Matinho and Bakayoko, who then joined Chelsea. And we won four one. Onuma had a great game. We dominated that game in midfield. He was kind of playing just ahead of the midfield too. and he looked really good. And he was eighteen then. And there's me thinking, this is it. He's got a chance now. He might stake a claim in midfield. And it just never really happened, unfortunately.
4: Oh, that's a that's a real that's a real shame. Um, so, you, though for you, would you say that was the best the best position for Josh Onuma? Where do you think that he can fit into our team? Because he was the only. We we were we signed a lot of people on on uh, in the transfer window and across deadline day, but he was the only person that we had we've got on a permanent. So mm-hmm. do you think that he could uh, do a job for us at Fulham? And
1: if you were Scott Parker, where would you think about him slotting into our plant? Yeah, so I think it's really interesting that Parker's got him. I mean, that's such a, in my opinion, that's such a perfect match up because the perhaps the only thing um, on lacks is that kind of that tenacity that Parker has. He's not someone who kind of flies around the pitch, flies into challenges. Um, and sometimes he can look a little bit, um, almost passive, but he's got loads of ability. So he, he, he'll he play in midfield, he'll pick up the ball, he'll drive forward with it. He's got loads of um, technical ability in terms of his dribbling. He's very good at receiving the ball on the half turn. He's quite good at seeing a pass. I wouldn't say he's got like elite level vision, but he can spot a pass. And... Yeah, he's good at getting in the box as well. So if you play you play midfield, ideally as part of a midfield three, and give him a bit of freedom to kind of run with the ball and get forward, he won't let you down. He'll, he'll do a great job there. Fantastic. So
4: would you almost describe him as a kind of link-up player?
1: Yeah, a transition player. So he'll pick up the ball, um, pick up loose balls in front of a defence, and he'll take a team forward, and he'll pick up the pieces and, and, and do something with it. So, yeah, I mean in a strange way sort of similar to Sissoko's done that role to, at Spurs particularly last season but he's much more technically able than Sissoko whilst he doesn't necessarily have the blistering speed that Sissoko has or the immense power he does have better um, touch and, and dribbling ability
4: oh, fantastic I mean we've um, we, we recently signed Harry Arsley he had a fantastic debut for us on Saturday against Blackburn a man of the match performance in, in many Fulham fans' eyes Um but we, I did feel we are kind of lacking that kind of player who can link up the midfield. We've got, obviously, Tom Kenny, who's very creative going forward. We have used that. Well, we still do have the likes of Stephanie Hansen, um, who I, it sounds to me as if Josh Onom is a fairly similar kind of player, maybe not as kind of physically scrappy and, um, shithouserous as, as, uh, as, <laughs> as was, but still can do a role in sort of picking up the ball from deep and driving it forward and sort of linking up the attack. So no, we're all very excited to see what he has to offer. He wasn't in the squads against Blackburn on Saturday, but I mean, that's not to say that he won't be involved in the future and we're all very much looking forward to see him sort of get involved, I guess.
1: Yeah. And it's great for him. He's, he's in a very sort of broken last few years, um, with injuries uh, as much as anything, so he's had two two significant loan spells, one at Aston Villa and one at Sheffield Wednesday, and both have been hugely impacted by injury. and He's just not really been able to kind of put, put a run of games together that's allowed him to gain any form. Um, so I'm really happy to see him at Fulham, a club where I think he'll he'll have a good style of management from Parker that will suit him well, and hopefully he can put back to get back games together and, and reproduce some of the form that um, I've seen from him in Spurs' academy teams and for, of course, the England under-20s as well.
4: Fantastic. No, it sounds good. As I said, we're all very much looking forward to seeing him get stuck in. And it's, it's always sad when you see these young talents come through uh, from your club and then maybe not get the kind of the game time that you feel that they could really kick on and make an impact. We've, we've seen many players at Fulham over the last years. I mean, the likes of uh, Christensen, who's uh, gone on and just never really, kind of, things didn't really click and as a young player at 22, and especially English player, you do want to see them sort of find their groove, find their position, because at, the, at that age, you're still kind of malleable to a certain extent, and you can sort of create positions for yourself. I mean, look at, you only need to look at Moussa Dembele, who joined us when he first joined. He was sort of a, a right midfielder, and then, you know, found his feet and found himself sort of really instrumental in that centre midfielder role. So I think that we could see that from the likes of Onuma. looking
1: forward to the future. Yeah, and, and sometimes it's just a case of finding the right club for a player and yeah. what, it doesn't always work out at a particular club, someone moves to another another place and it suddenly clicks, and everything works out well. And I really hope that that's the case, because there's plenty of ability there.
4: Oh, fantastic. Well, it's, it's, it's lovely to hear that from a, from a Spurs fan, that uh, you want to see him do well and you want to see him crack on, you feel that he's got potential. Because there were a few Fulham fans who were a little bit, and I'm, I'm looking to the likes of Don Betts within our Fulhamish ranks, who were a little bit sceptical to begin with, thinking, is he just to kind of throw in to get the on deal over the line? are we recruiting on who we need or are we recruiting on who's available, which has been a criticism of our recruitment policies over the last few years. But, I mean, it seems like he genuinely can do a job for us. And, I mean, am I right in saying that Scott Parker would have had some interaction with
1: him when he was at Tottenham or was that a little bit past? It's it's possible. So Parker was managing our under-18s and Onoma was playing up an age. He's playing in the 23s by that point. So... it's it's possible that their paths would have crossed. I'm sure Parker would have watched him on the training ground at some point um, and taken an interest in all of the young players at Spurs. So, yeah, I'm sure he'd have caught his eye. Um, I mean, Parker was also um, doing his coaching badges uh, at a time where England were performing in the Under-20 World Cup as well. And Honour was a big part of the team that that saw them win the the Under-20 World Cup. Um, So he would probably have caught the eye in that as well.
4: Fantastic. Well... We can't talk about Josh Ronema without talking about the, the Fulham boy who went the other way. Are you excited to see what Ryan Sessegnon's got in store in his Tottenham career?
1: Yeah, ma- massively, massively excited to see what Sessegnon can do. I'm kind of, I'm intrigued to see what position we're playing in because I'm, I'm very aware that he's obviously started off as a left-back at, at Fulham, ended up playing on the left left midfield and right midfield. He's played in the middle as well. Um, and I don't quite know what Pochettino's got in store for him. Um but I'm very excited. I'm, I'm really interested to get your opinion on Cessi on how you will it thinking of adapt to um, life at Spurs, and and also actually, if, if you wouldn't mind, just how you thought we did last year because we've been talking about this a little bit on our podcast. Um, so so we don't think he was anywhere near as bad as the media have portrayed last year. Mm. But it'd be fascinating to get your insight on that as well.
4: No, absolutely, I think with the, with the likes of uh, Cessi, there, if there's one thing that isn't in any doubt whatsoever is is that ability that he has and in my opinion there's absolutely no doubt that he'll be a big player on the world stage I mean he'll be playing for England he's such such a talent I think with last year it's tricky and you can't be too judgmental because we were playing in a very very fragmented side that hadn't adapted to Premier League life at all you know we hadn't we didn't have a system a consistent system or consistent lineup throughout the whole of the season and when Ranieri came in, we saw Sessegnon kind of sidelined a little bit. And he just, the, the whole season, it, it's unfair to single out Sessegnon to say he had a bad season because the whole team had a bad season. You know, if you're if you're playing in a team like that and you're a young player and it's your first season within the Premier League, it, 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 you're not going to set the league on fire. You know, we we were just didn't we hardly scored any goals at all. I mean, Cessna, I think, got, got two or three in the end, um, which for a team where, you know, if you score three, you're in, your, in the top three score. It's, it's, it's difficult to sort of judge. And we did see those flashes of talent, you know, and, and it's undeniably there. And we were all so upset to see him go. And it's very rare that you see, you see a player go to one of your kind of London rivals and you genuinely just wish them well. Um, it would be very interesting to see where Pochettino plays. In, in my mind, I think he's got him eyed up for the wing-back position long-term. That's that's what my feel has been for a while. But as you can see from the, the season we went up, his preferred and, in my opinion, strongest position is playing um, as that kind of left winger in, in a more advanced role. It'll be really interesting to see as you said, where Pochettino plays him, but in my opinion, he's got him um, suited up for that wing back role. It's one element of his game that you could say he could strengthen a little bit, which is the its defensive aspect. Um, in our opinion, he his strongest he's strongest going forward. Um, so it would be I mean, he's still only nineteen. His game's obviously going to develop. He's going to mature as a player. Um, and I've got absolutely no doubt that he's going to play a big role in your team in the in the coming years.
1: That's really good to know, actually. And I think actually playing playing as a wing-back in a Pochettino team typically means you're not doing that much defending anyway. Yeah, <laughs> so it's not, it's, not, not, it's not the end of the world if, if he's not, you know, a, a 10 out of 10 defender. Um, the same could be said for, for Danny Rose and Kieran Trippier and they both did okay um, in, in, as Pochettino wing back. So I, I think it kind of bodes well that his main strength is his attacking play because... He's going to be doing a lot of that as a Spurs wing back um, what would you say are his biggest strengths in terms of his attacking play because I, I've seen a bit of him I've seen not seen huge amounts but, um, in the last couple of years but I saw him quite a bit for England when he was a bit younger mm-hmm. and to me it seemed like he's just a tip, he's just a generally good all-rounder in terms of his technical ability but it's kind of his appreciation of space that stood out to me he, he seemed to have um, excellent spatial awareness and always know when a defender was approaching and he could just kind of wriggle free in the nick of time.
4: Yeah, it's it's the sort of, I mean, the, the attributes that you just touched upon there, it's the sort of things that you connect to a player who's, you know, seasoned, seasoned professional, but as you said, it's just, it's time, it's spatial awareness and the thing that really set him apart for me was his attacking positioning. I mean, he's lightning quick off the mark, he, his acceleration is, is second to none and when you combine that with that just knowing where to be the right place at the right time, anticipating where the ball's going to fall. That season we went up and the season prior to that, you just knew if there was a loose ball in the box that Sessegnon was going to be on it like a flash and then it was going to be in the back of the net. And that, for me, is the thing that really sets Sessegnon apart. It's just his, his attacking positioning. It's just, it's just phenomenal for someone that age. And then you've got all the physical attributes. You know, he's incredibly fit. He's lightning quick. Uh, you, you've got yourself a very, very exciting player on your hands. And I, I still can't quite believe that he's gone for just £25 million. But, you know, Levy's working his, his dastardly ways with the transfer <laughs> window. It's just textbook Levy. Like, you, you've been grooming him for years. And I will use that word. Because he's, <laughs> he's been... Tessignon's been linked with Tottenham Hotspur since he was about, I don't know, in the, in the cradle. Um, and it was it just seemed like that transfer that was always going to happen. And um, uh, Tony Khan uh, recently, a couple of days ago, did an interview with the club in which he criticised, did you see, he criticised Levy's tactics in, in how that deal was uh, was dealt with, which I think was somewhat naive because, you know, football club, every, every man's for himself, you're not going to put the club that you're buying a player off uh, at your interest when you're trying to get the best deal for a player. But I mean, for a young English player who's 19 years old, he's got the amount of potential that Ryan Sessegnon does. I think 25 million and Josh Onomo,
1: you've got yourself a very good deal on your hands. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't be happier in a way that we've finally landed him. I mean, we, as you say, we've been linked with him for what three years now. Yeah. Um, and I, I know we had him watched three years ago. I think we've been keeping our eyes on him that whole time. And every transfer window, I've just been thinking, this has got to be the one. Finally, we've got to get, we've got to get over the line. We've got to land, land him this time. Mm. And I could just see his, his quoted price creeping up and up and up. So to get him for the price we have got him in for in a window in which. The prices have gone absolutely ballistic. Uh, i you know, can't argue what Daniel Leagues done there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
4: Well, absolutely. Look after him for us, please. Do he means that uh, he means hell of a lot to our supporters, and we we genuinely do wish him all the best. As you said, that you uh, you feel reciprocal reciprocal for Josh Onomer. Um But I won't keep you any longer, Chris. Thank you so much for your time. Very much appreciated. Um, I've been George Cooper. This is Chris Miller. He's part of the Extra Inch, uh, which is a spin-off from the Fighting Cop Tottenham Hotspur podcast. And yeah, best of luck for the rest of the season, mate.
1: Thanks, George. Take care, mate. Cheers. Thanks very much, man.
0: Well, thank you very much to Chris Miller from the Extra Inch and also to George Cooper for catching up. Great insight there into Josh Onema Uh, And what can we can expect from him this season? He's a signing that none of us have been particularly sure, particularly what his best position could be for us. And I guess he always was going to arrive under that cloud of being part of an exchange deal for Cessignon. But I'm certainly excited to see what he can bring in at 22. There's absolutely no doubt uh, that he has a bright future ahead of him. Well, thank you for listening to Fulhamish Extra today. Uh, Fulhamish will return on Monday or Sunday. I can't actually exactly remember the day, but Jack is going to be hosting, looking back at that Huddersfield game and, of course, any other Fulham shenanigans that happen between now and then. So enjoy the game on Friday. Hopefully, Fulham can build on that Blackburn win and make it two victories from two. And uh, we will see you very, very soon. Take care. Bye-bye.
2: Podcast powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend.
1: This spooky season, have a listen to Let's Talk About Myths, baby. A podcast about Greek mythology that tells it honestly and often with a lot of gore, at least when it comes to these spooky season episodes. Every week in October, I have released a new episode with various levels of spooky in Greek mythology. There are ancient stories of haunted houses, ghosts, werewolves, general tragedy, and even a very bloody tree. Greek mythology has a little something for everyone, especially when it comes to spooky season. So listen to Let's Talk About Myths, baby, every week, wherever you get your podcasts.
0: ACAST recommends.